Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voice Equals Power podcast, where we explore the big question. How does an artist find their voice? I am your host, Nicholas Krolak. If you like what you hear today, you can keep up to date with my travels through Sonic Space and my website, nicholaskrolak.com, or on Instagram at nicholas underscore Krolak. Today's episode is brought to you by Riccardi's Violin Shop. I've been bringing my basses to Rob Riccardi for years, from basic setups, rehairing bows, and gluing seams, to the major overhaul he recently did on my carved bass. Rob has always kept my basses in great shape and sounding their best. Located in South Jersey, a stone's throw away from Philadelphia, is an added bonus that will save you time and money for all your string repair needs. Check them out at ricardiviolinshop.com. My guest today is bassist Mike Boone, patriarch of the Philly jazz scene, mentor to all, and one of the greatest musical minds I've ever come across. Originally from New York City, he moved to Philadelphia in 1983 after attending the Eastman School of Music and touring with Ben Vereen and Buddy Rich. Mike is the top call in Philadelphia on both electric and upright bass and is the torchbearer of the Philadelphia jazz scene. He has just released and re-released several amazing albums on Bandcamp featuring the legendary Sid Simmons, Yuri Kane, Byron Landham, and Mackay Boone. Mike Boone. Nick Krolak. Thank you so much for, for being on the <laughs> on the podcast. Um, we've been talking about doing this for a while. Yes, we have. I, I owe you an apology. No, but no, you, know what? no you, do not, you do not. You do not. You owe me nothing. It, I guess it worked out, and it's yeah. interesting, you know, the, the timing in, in lieu of everything. So, yeah, I, it's, it was meant to happen. Here. Yeah. So it's a pleasure, you know, being here with you. And congratulations on what's going on. I'm, you know, you've always kept me abreast of what's happening uh, what, from the infancy stages and the different people you're able to get. So that's, that's cool. You know, that's uh-huh. definitely any kind of, you know, even if we're just talking about the music or we're just talking about things, you know, that's, that's, that's always positive. So, you know, just want to throw that out there to you. So oh, thank, thank you. It's an honor to be here. So thank I hope you. I don't, you know, hope you can use some of this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. To hear. I'm sure I will. Um, but um, yeah, it's been, oh man, it's been, it's been months since I've seen you, um, which is feels really weird because I'd see you all used in the in the in the previous reality. Uh, previous reality. I, yeah. I would see you. Yeah. I would see you all the time, and mm-hmm. there's a there's a story um, that I th- I'm pretty sure is gonna gonna just like stick with me forever. Where, and this just kind of goes to like what an integral part of the scene you are, where. You were running a jam session at Heritage on Thursday nights, and uh, it was every first Thursday of the night you would sub it out to uh, play big band gig with right, with uh, Jack St. Clair. Right, Clair. Clair. Right down the street. Exactly. There. And 
and uh, uh, you always sub it out to a bass player to run. And uh, one one month you subbed it out to me, and so I'm running this jam session, which that jam session is very special because to me it's the continuation of Ortlieb's. Pretty much, yeah. So that's like a very special thing yeah. in general. So after your gig, you finish up playing a big band gig, and then you come out to the jam session. And then you hung out, and then you played a bunch of tunes, and like you st- hung, hanging out to the end, and that's like such a um, such a normal thing for you. Like you're always out, and um, um, I, I always remember that. And um, what what has this been? You know, we're still in we're in day like nine thousand of quarantine <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, only nine. <laughs> It's been crazy. I yeah. mean, it's been it's been just from what you said. I mean, I would play. I mean, music is it's it's a big part of um, who I am, what I am. I mean, I I can't really do much else, and I barely can do this halfway decent. I feel like I've like just been around for a while, but um, yeah. I mean, whether I'm playing or listening, it's just. Just this whole continuum, not you know, it's just more just the music happening, me just being here for like all this time, and I guess the position I'm in, I'm an elder person. You know, a lot of people have come through the ranks. You mentioned Ortley's, which is which was a place of higher learning for a lot of us from the mid '90s up through the um, early 2000s until I think it shut down 2010, 12, somewhere in there. But there was a good 20-year run where that was, you know really kind of command central so um and it was a big fellowship it wasn't just people playing you know it wasn't people taking notes and trying to it was a big social hang it was a it was a it was a it was, there was there was a certain organicness to it there was a certain diversity to the you know the people that would be there and Heritage, which is funny, Heritage was literally around the corner from Ortlees. <laughs> Ortlees is like on Third Street, just north, just um, south of Poplar. And um, what did I say? That was um, Ortlees. Mm-hmm. And Heritage was just north of Poplar, but on Second Street. So literally, like just you know, around the corner, you know. And so I, it just kind of felt that way. So when I took it over, you know, it was actually thanks to James Santangelo and Tim Bray, who are two of the, you know, young top pianists in, in the area. They, and they do a lot. They're very proactive when it comes to promoting music and themselves and the other players. You know, it's just it's good, a good positive scene. So they suggested to the management that I, you know, do that. So, yeah, I mean, um, to double back, you know, why I come in, I mean, it's, it's I'm responsible for it. And I, I look at it as much the same way as um, the jam sessions we had at Ortlieb's. It's not, you know, I, I know it's fine. I don't I, have to show up but I just feel the need you know plus I want to have that little drink you know whatever and, and just like I say hang out here with here what cats are doing and as somebody that's been playing for a while I just I feel that it's um I should show I should show mm-hmm. you know I should come out you know just to lend the ear just to be supportive and when I was coming through there was a lot of old older heads a lot of younger musicians that would come out Mickey Roker would come out all the time you know, I'm sure you saw him all the mm-hmm. time, or at least, I mean, he might have played twice a week or whatever, but he was there, like, more than that. He'd come in, just sometimes he'd just come in to get something to eat, you know, and, and some, you know, guys like that, or even just non-musicians, just, just the whole camaraderie thing. So that's important. I mean, that kept me young, and for me, you know, I'm old enough to be everybody's father, possibly grandfathers, you know, depending on how old you, you know you are. So 
it's a way to keep me young, keep me current, because I'm still doing the teaching. I'm at an adjunct professor at Temple. So a lot of these guys that come to the jam session, a lot of the guys that I use are Temple students or ex-Temple students or, or U of R students, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. It's all Philadelphia. You know, that's the main school, is the, the town of Philly and all it has to offer. These are just the institutions that um, you could go to if you want to soak that up. You know, I think that's just how I look at it. Obviously biased, um, but um, yeah, I mean that's so. Yeah, it's it's just been not having that, and just all the you know whatever. I would show up at you know I try to you know go to time you know, other places um, wherever cats were playing. You know it was just part of my regimen. It was part of what I, I what I did. It was part of how I kept the music in me. How I you know just socialized. How I maybe you know book some gigs or whatever, or just stay current. You know I, a lot of guys my age they stay. You know, maybe they're more comfortable. I have to play. I need to play. I'm also, you know, having my 13-year-old son, who's like this phenom drummer, you know, got to kind of, you know, take him around, and he's been doing a lot of stuff. So, I mean, the combination of all of that is just kind of, that's what has kept me going. And prior to this um, pandemic, it's really cut that off, and I, I just feel really useless, you know, in a lot of ways, and it's just hard to practice. Because a lot of times I would practice, I was getting into a good practice regimen. I mean, I was definitely getting to the point where I was practicing a lot more than I had practiced in a while. And I was starting to see some progress, um, which is good. I mean, you should always strive. And it's, it, it was, I was definitely feeling good because, I mean, there's no shortage of good, talented young bass players and older bass players in town, like yourself included. So it's like the level of playing you know, since I moved to town, you know, some 30, 35 years ago, it's definitely gone up. And there's just a lot of guys that can play. There's a lot of guys that know a lot of stuff, you know, so. And I'm just trying to kind of, you know, stay afloat on that end. You know, I think I have some, you know, maybe, exp- you know, experiences that those, obviously some guys, those, those guys, you know, haven't had. And, you know, that always helps out. But, you know, you still have to keep in shape. There's a certain athletic, um, certain physical aspect to playing music. Mm-hmm. If you don't stay in shape, uh, you lose what you have. And the older you get, you know, your muscles aren't as strong as they were. Mm-hmm. Like, there were times where I didn't have to practice every day for a certain amount of time. If I had a bunch of gigs in a row, I'd just go from gig to gig and just work it out mm-hmm. there. Oh, I'm sorry. I would go from gig to gig and work it out there. I hope you got that stuff. I, I, think, uh, it, I think it came through. But, um, you know, practicing and actually getting into a good regimen and then not having a place to go and mm-hmm. play and work work some of that out just physically it's not like I'm playing what I'm going to I'm playing what I was going to what I practice cuz I'm going to play usually play something else anyway I forget but when you practice I'm practicing technique you know just just moving around the instrument just being in different parts scales I might play you know and you know so when I do when I'm in a live situation I will at least been there on the bass, touched around, so I can get around, so it's not, you know, I'm not fumbling, mm-hmm. you know. So, and I was just getting my fingers were getting stronger, so it's just I'm starting to feel good about things, you know. Like I said, you know, it's like it's just always a learning, you know, process with music. And for me, there's always these these plateaus or these, you know, I guess uh, or ruts, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing where you get to a certain point and you think you're doing, you feel good about what you're doing, and I guess. I'm playing too much of that, and that starts to sound old. And I want to break away, mm-hmm. but you still got to play what you you know who you are, and then just trying to get through those ruts or those. I call them ruts, but they're really plateaus because after a certain point, you 
find you you find something else to play or you you work your way through and then then you feel cool about it and i've been going through that that plateau thing you know since i've been playing mm-hmm. and i imagine that's probably the same in a lot of ways for everybody i guess depending on how much they work on you know the, the practice end of it and the playing you know but i was playing a lot every night and practicing a decent amount so it was really you know starting to come together and it's like wow i felt man there's actually hope for me mm-hmm. <laughs> so this just kind of knocked it back so I, I try to practice you know it's this is really hard you know sometimes i don't know it's uh we weren't we were put here to play together i mean just what what this has done socially just just in terms of playing you know we so what a lot of what we do we play in front of people there's i think of the audience too it's not just us that are affected mm-hmm. yeah i've always been a good a big stickler for giving the audience their due in terms of the musical experience it's not just us yeah i know we're the musicians and we play and whatever it is you know but that audience is 50% of that musical experience. You know, I'm, I'm truly convinced of, of that. I mean, an analogy, what if you were like a painter and you had your painting in a wall and nobody went and saw it, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, at least, at least I mean, and they, a lot of times they're not around. They, they got to hope that somebody sees their painting. And chances are nobody's going to, by the time they notice that painting is any good, that artist is dead, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, maybe, maybe that's not the best analogy, but... But in in the sense that the the, the 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 person that looks at that painting, you know, once the person, that's the connection. Mm-hmm. The, the artists do that for whatever reason, maybe they're inspired. But a reward is that when someone else looks at it and takes it, wow, that's a work of art, you know, and that defines something. So I think in music, even though it's music's even deeper than that because it's, it's therapeutic on different levels, you know, it, 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 just, it does something. It's a universal language as... as it's a cliche, but there's something about it. We've always had music. You know, mm-hmm. Music's always developed. It's all, every culture has its music, just like it has its um, spiritual you know, um, beliefs. It has its um, patriotism, it has its food. Mm-hmm. You know, music is a big part. And culture, you know, when you mention culture, you, you're talking about people. So you're talking social. You know, so when you mention these things, so for something like this to come in and the way to kind of like get it under control is to, we got to separate and because for whatever reason this thing's going to be around so there's going to be a certain amount of separation that we're probably going to have to just live with that i'd like I, that I, we were talking earlier and i think some of that is irreversible i mean the days of hugging you know we used to like back in the day we like nothing to hug each other mm-hmm. just like give each other a pound whatever and just as a show of expression you know but now it's like damn i might get somebody that's sick or something you know it's like yeah you know that just, that's very um, when you when you've been used to that all your life it's definitely unnerving and it's, it's an it's an adjustment to make. Um, I can't see, but we we all have our masks. You know, we got to do that. You know, and it's 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 been challenging. You know, um, but. I'm on Facebook a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's not good for it. Although I backed (laughs) off because of just the the events, you know, the stuff that's going on with the racial stuff. That's just, it's just an interesting time we're in. Mm -hmm. And I just wish we could do what we're doing as musicians. I mean, maybe some of that's selfish because I'd like to work, but I also know that there's a therapeutic thing that's, that the world I think is missing right Mm -hmm. now. That also benefits us too. I mean, we, we get healed too. So I'm not, you know. So it's. I, I remember going through nine eleven, mm. you know, and just and that was a very rough time. But things didn't just 
stop like they stopped this time. Yeah. You know, everything kind of we paused, and there was precautionary measures and some drastic measures, but you know, it, it didn't just stop for like three months and then just go back and this other, you know, this is different. Yeah. And I hope it's not a precursor of things to come. I mean, I don't want to put that out there, but, you know, I have to, you know, you never know, you know. So anyway, I mean, this is really has affected the, mu- you know, what we do as musicians. And I know for me, uh, I've been doing like a, a weekly show. Um, I had a two-week hiatus at this guy's spot in West Philly where I just kind of would, you know, get some guys together and we would just play some stuff. There'd be like a little bit of a theme, but it was basically loose. I would talk to him for 15 minutes after a while, kind of like what we're doing. Almost kind of like an impromptu program. It was kind of doing what I would have probably done on the Thursday Heritage Jam. I can't bring people up, but I can at least have a rhythm section in one place, socially mm-hmm. distanced. We could play, chance for me to play some music. You know, So I'm actually practicing you know, and playing in front of people and hopefully if they like what they here they can you know contribute via paypal or venmo i know it's kind of maybe like a very archaic very you know different way to go about you know playing or making an whatever it is but that's a new norm i mean the Mm -hmm. audience i can't play in a club you know because the clubs aren't open you know and i'm like i say once again thinking about the audience the people that would have come to those clubs or whatever they would have done and probably you know what are they doing? You know, I guess they're listening to records and listening to radio. But, you know, so this is kind of what I ended up doing. And some other people are doing I got the idea from Dylan Taylor mm-hmm. and other bass players. It seems like bass players, <laughs> we, we seem to, well, that's just what we do. You know, yeah. we, we're just, we're, we're, we're probably the most social people on the band, period. Yeah, I agree. You know, that. and I'll just put that out here. <laughs> and I'll, you know, since we're, since we're on that thing, I, I would say, and this is just for free, I say that bass players are are the liaison, you know, going back to what I was talking about, the audience being 50% of the musical experience, mm-hmm. the players and the, the bass player is literally the liaison between the audience and the other guys on the bandstand, Yeah, in my opinion, because we got to deal this shit on the band, you know, sort this out, make sure everybody's cool, make sure they're comfortable, because if they are comfortable, then the music's going to be right, and yeah. then the audience is going to be affected. So we got to almost like, um, even though we're on the bandstand, we got to be out in the audience listening too. We got to really be listening to what we're doing. Yeah. You know, much in the same way. And that's something I've tried to adopt, you know, in my playing, just, just really just trying to have that big ear and just try to help the guys do what they need to do, try to anticipate, oh, you going over here? Okay, I'm with you. Okay, I got you. Oh, 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 okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, you almost done. Okay, I got you. You know, we, you know, because if we keep all that together, that's um, that ties that in. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that in. But anyway, we just, that's just kind of what we do. So obviously that extends to beyond the bandstand. You know, you got a podcast. Um, Dylan's doing what he's doing. A lot of guys. Christian McBride, he was doing a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, he wrote that great article about um, – the music world coming to a fermata. I don't know if you read that. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's crazy, great. you know. But you know, yeah, we 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 got to think about more than whatever you know. We practice and playing solo. You know, mm-hmm. think about you know. We got to you know. So anyway, um, I, I don't know how I drifted off over there, but it's um, yeah, it's it's um, I miss it. You know, I, I hope we can. 
I hope there's a way that we at least we can play together in at least small groups. You know, I wonder. You know, I think of orchestras. Yeah. What the hell are they gonna do? You know, like what the you know big bands, you know, the Jackson Clear Orchestra. How are we gonna play that? We'll take up the whole club. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you know, or do we like have plexiglass like like cubicles? Like yeah. You know, like what the hell is that? Like what is like on just on a spiritual level? What is that? I mean, I go to church too. You know, a lot of us do. We can't do that. You know, you have virtual services, or everybody's got to spread out. You know. I mean, there's spirit. There's things that happen in a performance, you know, or just when people come together. Mm-hmm. You know, you see what's happening with these protests. I mean, I, I mean, good energy. Unfortunately, some bad energy, but things get done. You know, there's some, there's energy. There's something something about the strength in numbers. You know, especially um, when they're they're together for a common cause. And like I say, with the music thing, what we do as artists, you know, not that we're not better than anybody. You know, we're, we're we're blessed to play music. You know, we're you know we we were put you know we and and given a little bit of ability and we had some people around us that had us cultivate it so we can actually attempt to play this stuff. So we can you know maybe be a blessing. You know, it's not like don't get it twisted. Oh yeah, I'm this bad motherfucker. I play like I'm good or. Yeah, well, there's a whole lot of them. I mean, you know, I can put on a John Coltrane record now and just be totally cool, you know, mm-hmm. and not have to listen to nobody else ever again. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, like, or just you know, a whole bunch of different, or, you know, whatever we're talking about. I mean, the bar is already, you know, so a lot of what we're doing is kind of, you know, we're derivative and just trying to, you know, maybe um, just trying to emulate, trying to emulate or whatever. You know, we're trying to do whatever, but... And that's not to say we shouldn't strive. I mean, because music will always continue. The music's bigger than any heavy cat or cat or kitten or whatever it is, mm-hmm. a person, you know. So, like I say, the audience, you know, the, the, you know, the audience is half of it. How are you going to, one person going to, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't compute. And there's room for, for, for all of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So this pandemic just really kind of, I just hope we can figure out a way, or maybe they, you know, maybe with these vaccines that come out, maybe we can get it under control so we can actually play in some places. I mean, I think of musicians that are used to traveling. Yeah, I, mean, I feel blessed. And most of my workers, I'm, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not some star or anybody where I got to get on planes and do all that stuff. Those guys, they, they look at their, they can't, they're sitting around at home. I think of the people in New York that are in there, like you know, buildings. You know, they can't go outside. You know, like. Yeah, it's, it's 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 rough for a lot of people out here. So I'm just hopeful and prayerful that um, something will give, you know, so that we can get back to some kind of. I don't like I said. I don't think it's, it'll ever be the way it was. Mm. You know, I mean, can you imagine Ortlieb's back in? Remember how crowded that place used to be? Yeah, or just places. I mean, it was just smalls in New York, or just just places. You know, like this kind of. The tight places, and actually, the music music we had was kind of creating those kind of small, tight, yeah. cubby hole, like tight, you know, sweaty, if you will. So, I mean, the whole jazz at Lincoln Center thing—that's a mm-hmm. another phenomenon. And you had you know concerts and stuff, but that's you know that's that's a whole nother. But that's the high end, you know, higher brow and but and, and even then, you know, you got a whole lot of people in a, you know Lincoln Center, A.B. Fisher Hall, you know. You know, you're not having any kind of concerts. You know, best thing you can do is like somebody, like maybe two guys playing on their porch, <laughs> <laughs> or what I'm doing at this like sound stage, or, or you know, what you know. So, 
or is there some live stream stuff going? I think Smalls is doing. Something. Yeah, Smalls some just people. started. So yeah, that. so that so like so that's gonna that's gonna be the new norm. So the band will be able to assemble together, hopefully, and then they kick it out to the audience, and mm-hmm. hopefully the audience will buy into the new norm and support it. You know, if that's going to continue, I mean, it's not the same as them being there, but yeah. On the other hand, it's um, there are some pros to being able to sit in your house. There's some safety issues that you don't, you definitely don't have to worry about. There's some financial issues that you that won't, your finances won't be as high if you had to come in and actually physically see the, you know, mm-hmm. the performance, you know. You know, but then once again, you know, you're missing out on the spiritual thing, and actually the the whole idea behind it. So it's a it's a tra- it's a trade off, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a it's a drag that it has to be. But hopefully, there's a middle ground in there where the artist and the audience can, you know, equally kind of feel satisfied. Mm-hmm. You know, as we, you know, or what the hell are we doing? I mean, I you know. I, I teach at Temple, and we had a Zoom meeting uh, a couple of days ago, and it's like trying to revamp that. You know, you got kids coming in. You know, it's just like it just really messed up, equidistantly messed up a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of people's lives, a lot of people's worlds, and everything that you know, you know, just ties on. You know, because we're all like connected, you know, some kind of way. You know, so we're not that far from other folks. So our, we're in music, and people might say we're non-essential. No, we're just as essential as a whole lot of other folks. In some ways, we're more essential. Yeah. You know, you can't really translate it. And I wouldn't say, like, you know, I'm not going to put myself on par with an uh, emergency EMT, you know, EMS, you know, technician like that, or a neurosurgeon or somebody like a, you know, but at the same time, you know, there's there's a need that that what we do, you mm-hmm. know, f- you know fulfills, and that's not being met. So, th- and there are consequences to that. So um, certainly for us, but certainly for like I say, I, I, I always think about the audience and those folks that you know. There's some diehard folks that um, mm. come out all the time. It's like, man, what are they doing? You know? Yeah. You know, so it's it's it's, but at least we can talk about it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you 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 mentioned you were talking before about um, practicing during during this, and I've I've had a hard time. Uh, practicing too, um, maybe maybe it's because we're bass players and we just well, like playing we, with people. We, yeah, we we're so used to that. We that's yeah. the whole thing. It's like just like I said earlier, we're listening. We're the lead. You know, we're the we're the whole point of us playing the bass is that we can be this foundation that we can delineate whatever the because you our job is to kind of like define the song. Mm-hmm. We'll be, we're like the the custodians. Of whatever, the, and it doesn't really matter what the genre is. That's just kind of what we do. You know, we just kind of make sure everything is cool, like I alluded to earlier. So we got who we gonna? We make the other musicians cool. Mm-hmm. We make the we help the drummers. You know, I'm the bass player, so we got a drummer, got a piano player, or some chord instrument. Um, some melody instrument or instruments or vocal, you know, you, that's those are the configurations that, are, those are the musical instruments and our instrument. That's what we're used to doing, and, and just in the rhythm section, I mean, we 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 do more than just play our bass notes. I, I I think you know the difference, like with trumpet players, you know, horn players and vocalists, a lot of this stuff is isolated. They can do, they can figure out a lot of stuff, and what they they they're doing is going to be put on top of a rhythm section, you know, a group of 
you know, us playing, mm-hmm. we're in the middle of that group that they're on top of. So um, while we're playing bass notes, we need to be just as aware rhythmically of what a drummer's doing at the same time, just as harmonically aware of what a, a chord instrument, keyboard player or a guitar player, vibes, whatever, is doing. We got to be able to interpret what they're doing at the drop of a hat and play the right correspond the best bass note we can possibly play at that given time from beat to beat from measure to measure from chorus to chorus from you know whatever from beginning to end you know uh and um hear the other players you know hopefully i mean i think that's the goal i mean some bass players i mean there's a you know we're we're, we're selfless in that respect i mean you yeah you have some bass players that play real well that that play soloistically you know, and that's good too. But to me, that's kind of like icing on a cake. Mm-hmm. That's not your main. I'm I'm not hiring you, you know, to hear your solos. Even though you might play some killing solos, if you're going to play really killing solos or you know have some kind of technique, I want to hear some of that same passion or that same energy or whatever it is while you're playing the bass. Mm-hmm. I want to hear you listening to your other fellow musicians. I want to feel that. Because that's part of what we're doing too, and that's one of the intangibles. We we we, we want to inspire, so there's got to be something in us that wants to help out. Mm-hmm. We can't be selfish. If it's about me, me, then you're not going to want to, you know, push a drummer that's dragging or pull a drummer that's like you know rushing or do or try to, you know, make sure everybody, all the things that go into playing, um, just in the rhythm section. That much less you put the horn player on top of it, or the vocalist, or whatever you you you're doing, you know. So it's um, yeah. So what do you 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 practice, you know, so you can have the chop. Like I say, mm-hmm. I practice so I can have the chops to play whatever I hear when it's up. I mean, if there's some some tunes that need to, you know, that I have to work out, yeah, I'll practice those things, you know, which are you know you know tunes I don't know if I'm pra- playing for a specific gig, you know. Because there's some specific things I have to get, and maybe some changes I'm not familiar with, so I will you know put some time in. But I still so even though I do that when I play when I play live, I I got to do all this other stuff. I still got to interpret the rhythms. I still got to do the interpret the harmony. I still got to make sure everybody else is cool. Mm-hmm. So and that just kind of happens when I. You know, because they're there, they're on the bands, and we're playing, and here we are. We're playing one finger snap, or we're playing whatever we're playing. And even if we're playing a tune that we played before, I mean, we're playing tunes that we play all the time. It doesn't matter, because the goal is to like hear them and try to make them sound as best, to, and also you know try, try to sound as good as I can for myself. But if I'm, but if we're thinking about them, we're automatically going to sound good. Mm-hmm. If we're, if that's our focus. So that's why I think um, it's harder for us to go back to answer your questions. Why? Why it's hard to practice? Because who? Are you, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Or you're practicing. Maybe you're sub, you're guessing in your head. Maybe you're hearing your piano player, somebody you like in your head, or whatever it is. Or you're playing with a record or something. Mm-hmm. That's already done. You're just trying to you know match the energy. It's not the same thing when you're mm-hmm. playing with your guy. You know, and, and you're a composer too. So that that's another thing. You know, you want to. You know what the music sounds like, you know. We're, you know, so it's like, um, you know, that's the other, that's the other part, and the performance, believe it or not, is the actually the other, the other part of the practicing, mm-hmm. because a lot of, I mean, music's in real time, 
And what does what difference does it make? What does it what does it profit you if you do this practicing and then you get out in the real world and, and you fuck mm-hmm. everything up, mm-hmm. you mess everything. You know, so you got to try. And sometimes what happens when you're playing, something's going to be different than what you practice anyway. You just want to be ready to play as a bass player. And that's where the horn and those other guys, because they're thinking about what they're doing. So you get, like, people that play longer than others or whatever, just constantly reaching. Bass players, unless they spend their whole, a lot of time just trying to play solos and do that kind of stuff, you know, they're a little bit, they don't really care because they 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 realize it's it's about the, the bigger picture. It's about everybody else mm. and just making sure that everybody's cool and comfortable. And once again, like I figured, wh- whether we know it or not, we are that liaison. We're like that ear listening because the people out in the audience they they don't have, they're not encumbered by an instrument. Mm. They they can they just sit back there and just like they got their ears. They got the stereo mix that they can just go back and just listen to what you're doing. If they, if you if you if they hear something they like, they can zero in on it mm-hmm. while everything else is going on or whatever, or they can take it all in or they can whatever. It's like you're it's like a you're you're giving them like a meal, or a cocktail, and they're taking a sip on it orally. They're mm-hmm. listening to this with their ears, but they're sipping. You know, they're taking it in, and they're like, oh, that's oh, that's what this is. Oh, that, you know, that's kind of. I mean, I make a lot of comparisons to food with music. Which is the other reason is like you're a chef. Why cook something if nobody's gonna eat it? Yeah, but that's probably a better analogy than the the painting analogy. But it's all with the art. Mm-hmm. But that, but that's, but that's it's it's the same thing because once again I was talking about the food being music being therapeutic. You know, prior you know good food, good foods are therapeutic. You know, yeah. so it, so maybe it's food for your soul. Maybe it's like food for your mind. To me, good jazz should affect your mind, should affect your heart or your soul, and it should affect your butt. It should make you want to move. It should yeah. make you want to, you know, do something rhythmically, you know. It doesn't have to be, you know, some kind of, some kind of way it should uh, deal with that, whatever that is, you know, that primal, th- whatever that, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But it should really, those are the three things that really should be, like, um, stimulated, you know, in varying levels, depending on what we're dealing with. And most music has different degrees of those three things you know and it's possible to have two and not one or maybe you know maybe one and not two whatever it, de- it depends on your taste too and what you mm-hmm. you know think think something is you know and the more time you spend on this earth and the more you know you, i guess hopefully the more stuff you figure out you know your taste expands and you just you know I don't know. I'm kind of drifting here. That's all right. You hear it. You hear it. That's that's the whole point of of the long form podcast is to just, yeah, just, bass, just go but, with but it. For bass players, yeah. I mean, but that's but we're mm-hmm. uh, every bass player I've talked to. You know, we we um, that's kind of where we're at. You know, with you know, even with with a lot of conversation with very little. That's just how we are. I think bass players mm-hmm. are are chosen. Yeah. Yeah. We or you know for the most part, you know, because it takes a special person. Because a lot of people want to be the stars, you know, and that and we need stars. Don't get me wrong. That's cool. I don't. I don't want that. You can have mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Bass is cool. I mean, we we play all the time. You know, we get to groove. You know, we get to we get to all the three things I talked about: your mind, your butt, all that stuff's engaged. That's like totally. It has to be in order for it to work. Mm-hmm. Has to be. Because we're once again we're the liaison, because they're sitting out there, the audience. They're with their, they want to be stimulated. They want to. They got feelings. They've been through stuff, and 
They got booties. They they want to, you know. So mm-hmm. it's like we're trying to affect them. You know, I think that's the, you know, I think we lose a lot of our, a lot of guys lose sight of that. You know, they get caught up in this artist thing, and it's like, yeah, we're artists, but we're also servants. Mm. Ooh, I feel like I just said something, but you know, <laughs> but I mean, seriously, I mean, once you get, and this pandemic has definitely exposed because you know, the artists and the servants, are, we're all kind of like not, you know, as we artists, what are you doing? Well, you might be doing some pot, some other stuff. How you doing? So you know, but it's like. The the playing field's been you know leveled a little bit you know so mm-hmm. it's so it's interesting you know but um, yeah I mean I love playing the bass I mean I love I love being part of you know the solution mm-hmm. you know I love trying to you know I I, I love being part of a team I, I like actually I like steering from the back mm-hmm. if you will because that's kind of what we're doing I mean we're we're actually in a lot of ways we we can control it you know we you know I mean, we have to, you know, just, just, you know, by just letting it happen in certain ways. I mean, we got to keep keep certain structures. But once again, I mean, it's also almost like we we hold the door open to mm. whatever's gonna happen. Maybe that's the better way. So I don't want to use the word control. Although sometimes you got to make sure things don't, you know, get out of control. Yeah. You know? So what we do is so it, it it takes a lot. So if you're thinking about self, if you're thinking about Shit, you practice. Mm. We practice, like I say, you, you practice so you can play. Mm-hmm. You, you don't practice, so you, you know, because what if somebody plays something else? What if another guy shows up? You know, or, or what if you you play a different tune? You know, what mm-hmm. if I mean those very, or even if you play the same tune, if something else happens, you're, you're playing at a faster tempo or a slower tempo than you practice it. Mm-hmm. Is that really gonna mess you up, or can you just sit down and play? You know, can somebody just count off that tune and you just be in there, you know, one, boom. And you play every beat you got to play as if your life depended on it and everybody else's life depended on it because do, it does depend on it. Mm. For this shit to be right, yes, it does. So it's like um, I'm just as serious about my quarter notes as a neurosurgeon is about his knife trying to make sure he cuts the right. I know the reality is if I mess up a couple quarter notes, that's not the end of the world. If he messes up, somebody, you know, a little different so I don't take myself that seriously in terms of you know like I say I get it you know but it's I it's it's important mm-hmm. it's important and, as, and I think as bass players we understand that even if we don't talk about it you know, I think that's just something that's in us which is like I say once again we're chosen it's like the universe of, yeah you'll be alright yeah, you'll be good you know, you'll, 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 you'll stop playing and play this one over here I started out playing piano and um, classically, and then I switched to classical bass. And then when I got in college, I started playing jazz oh, bass. About, about how old were you when you started? Sorry for interrupting. I'm just, I'm just oh, curious. Oh, well, classically piano, maybe like eight or nine. Mm. And I was okay. I mean, I was good enough to get into a performance high school in New York, but I had to take up a secondary instrument because I, because I played um, piano. That was their. Um, policy uh so the choice i had was um cello or bass and most of the guys had picked the cello well all the guys had picked the cello and all the girls had picked the bass i was the last one to get to the classroom sign-up sheet so i saw that list and i said well let me just go here with the bass and i hated the bass because high school bases you know they're kind of rough you know mm-hmm. <laughs> public school they were hardest things to play and i couldn't get a sound but eventually i started playing and i was Decent classical player. I got into, you know, 
Eastman School of Music thinking I was going to be a classical player. And oddly enough, that's where I started playing jazz mm-hmm. and started listen, well, listening intently and just figuring out, like, over the those first three years that, well, I actually really kind of want to do this. And then I, my odyssey in this in this jazz thing, I you talk about taking a long way home, you know, <laughs> around. But um, that's like I said, that's another that's another um, story. But um, being here in Philly, you know, moving here was a was a, really a godsend for me. Yeah. What year did you move here? That was probably around 1980, not too long after the, I'm not sure when the move incident happened. I don't know if you heard about that. That was 85. Right I think so. Near there, maybe a little afterwards. So I always thought that was weird. But um, I always knew that Philadelphia was, um, there was something about, you know, always had like a lot of really good jazz players that came from here. So once I got here, you know, I just tried to figure out, you know, just, you know, who were some of these players, you know, just try to figure out, you know, why it was going, you know, there was such good music here, mm-hmm. and I was fortunate. I, I, I met some good players. I met Tony Williams, a sax player, and at the time, Tyrone Brown was mm-hmm. his bass player who was doing a lot of stuff at the time. He was with um, Max Roach. He was touring with him and just playing a lot of the top gigs in town, and um, he was playing. A, he liked to play a stick bass, although he played upright, and I was playing mostly electric at the time, and he heard. He let me sit in. He was just very gracious, and he gave a lot of people my phone number and told him to call me if if they couldn't call him. He just really kind of went out of his way to kind of help me mm-hmm. get into the scene, you know, which is another thing I realized about bass players. You know, we're not jealous. You know, a lot of us, we're very, you know, we're cool. You know, like I'll call, like I was like, 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 my, like me subbing out my, you know, heritage gig for bass players. Like, it was just me. That was just kind of a no-brainer. Just I thought that'd be kind of cool anyway, just to keep it keep it going, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, that's just how we roll, and a lot, a lot of times it's just one of us anywhere. So it's always nice when somebody else comes through, you know. So like that's that's camaraderie that we have, even though we don't even see each other mm-hmm. like that. So Tyrone was very instrumental. So I've been just playing with a bunch of you know folks, and once I got to Ortleaves and started like hanging out there and listening to Shirley Scott. Arthur Harper, the bass is Arthur Harper, Mickey mm-hmm. Roker, and just that whole scene and people that would, would come through there and, you know, it's just, just soaking up the music in general, you know, it was just a blessing, you know, and just becoming an individual and just playing with that audience and playing in front of that audience and just that energy was, it was I, I thought it would be forever. I had no idea things would change, but mm-hmm. it, they certainly did, so. Now here we are, like you know, talking about doing virtual, <laughs> virtual. concerts. Like, what? Yeah. what is that? Yeah. Could you uh, talk a little bit about uh, your son Makai? Um, oh God! Um, and just like I, I feel like that's like a pretty interesting. Um, I, I feel like in in general, in a lot of fields, people have kind of figured out how to make prodigy musicians, and also in a lot of other fields, but music uh-huh. specifically, but. In in my experience, I've seen uh, I've seen quite a few prodigy uh, kids, and I would say probably about seventy percent of them burn out pretty quick. Sure, sure. But Makai is like, man, that kid is like level-headed. He's like so well, relaxed. Well, yeah, he's so like, far. We'll see. I don't yeah. know. He's just painting my butt lately. <laughs> I don't know. He's like he's gonna be fourteen in September. 
So I guess he's at that age. So. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, with him, it's uh, yeah. I mean, he's definitely a prodigy. I mean, I would I yeah. would say that if, if if he wasn't my son, I'm definitely you know super proud of him. I'm, I'm obviously a little biased, you know, but you know, I like I said, if he was just some you know kid. You know, he I would look at him because I mean he plays on a high level. Mm-hmm. I mean his mother has a um, has a lot um, to do with that. His mother, she's a vocalist uh, and she's also a choir director. She's been directing in the gospel realm and she directs for her um, father's church, father and mother's church that they formed and they're not, they're the senior pastors. But she's been in that. Um, genre for like all her life so she's been mm-hmm. directing choir since she was 13 years old she's also um did sing some background vocals back in the day with some different people like patty labelle she's done some studio work and some she comes from a family of singers and you know mainly gospel musicians but i mean she's she's a world what she does she's world class so makai definitely got stuff from both ends of um you know it's not just me, you know, whatever little bit of talent I had. I think God just kind of multiplied it, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of a sponge, you know. He um, was when he's with his mother. His mother, she's she was a first generation hip hop baby, mm-hmm. so she came up like rapping and doing all this. So she listens to that and then some contemporary gospel. And then he's in the car with me, and we're listening to our jazz. And I, I, I love. Afro-Cuban music and Afro-Brazilian stuff, so we listened to a fair bit of that. So he heard music just coming up all along, mm-hmm. and I think in his case, he was probably destined to be a drummer. You know, my wife's not here, but she tells the story of, um, like in her last trimester, she would be directing the choir, and they'd be like playing some lively song, and um, I think his uncle was actually the drummer at the time, and she could feel him beating on his, you know, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> on her insides in rhythm. And sometimes it gets so bad that, that she'd be beating. Uh, she'd actually have to, you know, go outside and walk around, you know, walk down the block, you know, uh-huh. so to so get out of reach of the church so he would stop, you know. So I think he was just, you know, destined to, you know, be a drummer. And actually to, to back up even prior to that, just talking about a prodigy, I think he was just, he just kind of came through us. My wife had a, when we were dating, um, she had this dream about some little two-year-old boy with a ponytail like beating on a banister and me saying, no, no, give daddy the sticks. And we thought he was talking about my, my, one of my early grandsons who was like maybe two years older than him when he was born. Because he had a sound, seemed like he was gonna play drums. And then Makai was born and we moved into our house like two years after he's like maybe two one and a half something like that and it actually happened he was just moved in he got these sticks from his uncle he's like beating on the band you know banister because at the time he's starting to play a little bit i mean i didn't think he was going to be as good as he was but he was banging around i mean a lot of people play you know they bang around and if you're in church a lot you know a lot of people like the drums so there's nothing for the little boys to do that and I said, no, no, give daddy the sticks. And when my wife heard that, she said, did you hear what you just said? I said, yeah. He's like, you know, we just moved in this house. He's like messing up the you know, banister. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, shit, that's what she had dreamed. She had wow. had this dream like maybe yeah. four or five years before he was born. So, you know, to fast forward. Yeah, so he's, yeah, I mean, he's a prodigy. But a lot of it has to do, I mean, I, I, I definitely 
have to thank the city of Philly, mm-hmm. you know, Philadelphia, and just just the area because everybody's like poured into him. You know, that's the other thing. Um, this music is passed down, and that's what was going on in Philly um, all along. Again, mm-hmm. in any major place, any urban place that has has the music, you know, so that was going on forever. And that's what he fell in because he would go place with me and all the drummers would show him stuff. Yeah. So when he first started playing, we would go to La Rose. So Mm -hmm. his first influences were like people like Craig McIver, um, uh, Rob Henderson, Mm -hmm. um, Bob Ball, a couple other guys like that. They would show him stuff. Um, People would come in and sit in, you know. But he got a chance to play in front of like 60 and 70 and 80-year-old people, Mm -hmm. you know, which – I think it was a blessing in a way because you're talking about folks that were seasoned already knew the music that were actually older, maybe more nurturing, you know, mm-hmm. just seeing a little kid. So he had, you know, some experiences. Later on, he went down to Chris's, um, started playing there. He was scared at first, you know, and then he, because that was more the younger guys, like you yeah. guys, cutting edge. You know, so he finally, you know, worked his way in. So, yeah, but I mean, he's just kind of like a sponge in terms of soaking up all the music. Mm-hmm. And he also plays in he plays in church. He's been playing at um, my wife's church that she directs. He's been there for the last couple of years. He plays hip hop. He plays all that kind of stuff. So he's you know he's a he's a he's a good he's got a, he's a good drummer. He's a good you know for 13 years old he's got a concept already. Mm-hmm. He's, he's played with enough people where he kind of knows he's got good instincts. You know he makes good choices. And it's it's a blessing, but it's challenging. Yeah, it's a little frustrating sometimes because I, I figured I'd get a chance to play a lot with him during this pandemic. But we har- we've hardly played at all. Only times we played is when we've done these like little um, these these live stream things. Yeah, I don't know what it is. He just doesn't want to play with me or something. So, it's just, so I feel like it's kind of like a like a, a curse. I mean, he's right there. Yeah, so we don't we once in a while, but it's not. You know, he's involved in his other stuff, and I don't push him at all. But it was nice to when we would be prior to this. We'd go out. I'd play. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, there's just a lot more playing. We would play a lot more, and we'd be playing. You know, with whoever we were playing with James Santangelo, Tim Bray, whoever the guys, whoever whoever was around. So um, yeah, but I mean, I I hope he's in a way. I, I think about it because I mean, he was starting to do a lot of stuff, and I, I hope the music will come back where he will still be interested. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tend to want, I hope he doesn't lose interest in, interest in playing. Mm. Yeah. Cause right now he's been, you know, he's on his cell phone. He's playing you know, virtual basketball with his friends and he wasn't really, he was doing a little bit of that, but he was playing a lot more. Yeah. So now this is kind of overtaken. And yeah. I hope I can bring that back in. If, you know, if, if the music opens up or hopefully the situation will, you know, present themselves and he'll just fall back into it. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm like worrying about a lot is is um, generations that are coming up. Yeah, like this mess. This really messed a yeah. whole lot of stuff up, and this is going to affect the music, I think, or affect, certainly affect the way they play it. Especially if we can't get back to some kind of social interacting, you know, mm-hmm. or within the social distancing. It can't yeah. be can't be too distant, or else this music is just not going to work, or it's just going to be a different thing and. I don't know. Maybe I'm too old school. Maybe it's time for me to you know move on into the sunset or something. I don't know. I just you know I'm just yeah. I, 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 it's something to think about. Like I say, because I mean I've, I've done some playing. I mean, so if I don't play anymore, I can, I can't say I didn't play. Mm-hmm. 
But I mean, guys like yourselves, I mean, you guys, you just put out an album a little while ago. You know, you're just starting to do stuff. You know, everybody's starting. He's 13. You know, he's going to be, you know, keep, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot that's going on. There's a lot of music that's has yet to be played and made. Yeah. And I hope we can get to that. You know, I, I, it's, I, I really feel it's going to be some. The way we get to it is going to be, or presented, is going to be altered mm-hmm. because of all this stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to go back. We kind of, kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, a thing I've been thinking a lot about lately is um, in the midst of uh, the this moment in in um, American culture, especially with the the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, really gaining uh, a lot of steam some like um very overdue uh uh steam um uh you know we're 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 sidelined in, in a way from from our 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 superpowers you know what i mean like uh-huh. us being on stage oh, is yeah, is yeah. like this, and this definitely thing. takes precedence and the thing about jazz jazz <laughs> ironically enough and rightfully enough, and that's what you know. Like this music came; it was a was the direct result of a similar thing that was going on back then. Mm-hmm. You know, because it wasn't like. I mean, you look at that two thousand jazz at Lincoln Center. You know, jazz being taught at all these universities. You know, when jazz's earliest exception inceptions, you had people that couldn't vote. You know, people yeah. that weren't even considered human beings. I mean, Charlie Parker died in what nineteen fifty five, and when did black folks start to vote? Maybe that same year, fifty six. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to give some reference, you know. So, um, you know, like Duke Ellington was and Louis Armstrong, and just go back. I mean, they were before. You know, they had to deal with a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. So, jazz was kind of like a result of like, uh, okay, like. Um, I mean, if you think of you know, you know, jazz's roots, uh, you know, it's always discussing you know, like Western, you know, harmony and melody and African rhythms. That's a whole nother discussion. But jazz came out of the black experience, you know, mm-hmm. just to try to cut to the chase, you know. And this was a music um, that wasn't regarded as legitimate music by the establishment. It was also music that once it came out and became popular, was actually kind of hijacked. By certain people, it's 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 had its it's had its run with um, racism. I mean, it came out of racism. It was like a music in protest of racism on a certain level. I mean, the contrafaxes, for example, the contrafaxes that were written like in the 1950s, like the bebop tunes, for example, like um, that's just one example which I I thought was pretty clever. Like apparently, like all the show tunes and the popular tunes, the jazz guys would play those tunes in clubs. And then I guess record execs or lawyers or whatever or just like just ill-meaning people would come into these clubs and try to shake them down and, and, and tell the jazz guys, you can't play these tunes because you don't own the rights to these tunes. So these guys, they were smart enough, and they also had some musicality about them. Mm. And they they like, okay, well, we like the chord changes to these tunes. So, yeah. <laughs> so we'll just make up our own little funny, crazy melodies. <laughs> they don't know what we're doing. They're just playing some, what are the black guys doing? They probably have different words for us. But, you know, that, that stuff, that jungle music they're playing. I mean, those are the kind of race music. Those are the kind of names they had for this jazz music. Mm-hmm. So just to be established, I mean, it, it didn't gain, like, um, legitimacy till 
like the late sixties, you know, to be honest, you know, your first jazz programs were like came up like maybe in the late sixties, early seventies, mm-hmm. like Berkeley, uh, North Texas State. That wasn't that long ago. I was born in nineteen fifty six. You know, just to give you a point of reference, you know, um, you know, so um, that music you know, came out of what we're, we're and we're still dealing with certain aspects of it. So we're sidelined from playing. Oh, this is good, Lord. but. We're not. We're definitely not sidelined for speaking up, mm-hmm. and maybe that. And I see that going on. And then actually, when you go back to it, we've always had some folks that did speak up. Mm-hmm. You know, like in their own ways. You know, you had some people that were like, I, I, look, I look at like Max Roach, I look at Abby Lincoln, I look at folks like Miles Davis who didn't take shit from anybody, and they really didn't like him. And this, I, I got a whole theory on Miles, and you know, but you know, guys that stood up to the status quo and called it out. Um, also, you know, we had a lot of help from other entertainers. I mean, you had folks like um, um, Tony Bennett that marched. You know, um, uh, Frank Sinatra was very um, influential in getting folks, you know. I mean, just the whole, just racism in general. So jazz came out, you know, just crossing this thing called the color line. I thought about that the other day. There's a thing like, you know, just, you know somebody would cross, cross the color line. Mm. And just that concept, that was a catchphrase that was out back in the day when things would happen as progress would be made. It's like the color line. That's interesting. I thought about that the other day. But anyway, jazz is a music that I, I know I keep circling around, but it's all connected. That's the mm-hmm. thing. You can't just have one without the other. So um, we're sidelined. I, yeah, but I think I'm, what, some of the music I'm hearing is actually music in, you know, that's totally related to this. So some music is coming out that's based from this stuff. And if you listen to jazz at different times during our um, this country's history, you've had jazz protest music that has come out you know, periodically, actually just mirroring what was going on. So I expect to see some of that come on. I, I hope that at some point we can play because... I, I just think just on a therapeutic, you know, standpoint, just to have, just have, have that music out there. I think we, we need that. We, it's, it's, you know, it's like the, it's, you know, I think we need that. I mean, the earth needed a chance to breathe, which is why this pandemic kind of came in place. And the car stopped. You see the pollute, it's not as polluted mm-hmm. as it was. So, mm-hmm. you know, spiritually, I, you got to, Jazz is a spiritual music too, you know. So if you, um, you know, we didn't really talk about that a whole lot. That's a whole nother thing, and that definitely affects. We talked about it a little bit, you know, because spirituality, because certainly as it relates to the music and the what what goes on. So um, it's, it's, it's there's 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 it's very heavy. It's 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 it's, it's very it's it's very heavy what we what we're dealing with here. And um, I guess the best thing is just got to try to stay, try to practice what we can. Mm. You know, it's it's just because eventually they're going to need us. Yeah. We need to be ready. Yeah, okay, I said all that. I know I was kind of having a harm, but we need to be ready because I would like to think that people are going to want to hear us. Yeah, you know, and, but there, it's funny because I'm sure there's some guys that just been practicing the whole time, so they're going to come out. They're going to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm almost afraid this he's going to come out. Yeah. I know it ain't going to be me. I'm going to have to like get some <laughs> gigs, and I'm going to have to work work myself into it. But whatever it is, you know, I, I just hope that we can bring it out there, mm-hmm. and not, and also still like you know, um, stand up for change and all that because jazz was like this is a perfect example of what can happen. 
you know, when people work together, it's just become a universal music. I mean, you can people from all over the world play this music. So even though it has its um, roots in you know African American culture and all that, it's it's become a global music, and it's um and music in general, you know, because um, like I said, I was a classical guy, and had I not been bit by the jazz bug and just realized that, I don't know, when I got into jazz, I just realized that was part of maybe I I identified with that. And that just gave me more of a purpose, hmm. and which, and then it was easier for me to maybe teach and maybe mentor it because it's coming from a place of a, a heritage, a lineage, if you mm-hmm. will. And Philadelphia definitely has has that, you know. And I, I look at us; I mean, all the bass players. I mean, you know, we there's no it's not there's no accent that we have so many great bass players, and we all sound different. That's that's the other thing I like. We don't all sound the same. Yeah. We all we may have all listened to a lot of the same guys, but everybody has you know a different piece of the puzzle. But we all know how to swing. We all know that we're supposed to swing, even if we don't. You know, we it's just some inherent stuff mm-hmm. that um, and we need to get that out. I know I'm switching around here, that's, but um, it's, right. it's um, yeah. I just um. I hope we can, you know, get move off the sideline a little bit, yeah. and you know, re, you know, because it, 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 it's, it's, you know, all things in time, you know. I mean, this needs to be dealt with, mm-hmm. and I think we all need to have conversations. You know, people that play jazz is like, you know, there's some people that play this jazz. I, why are you playing this music if you're not for total equal rights? If you if you can't empathize and sympathize with certain issues. But you want to play this music, you know. You, you realize that people that that played this, these people that you're transcribing their solos, chances are probably couldn't vote, mm-hmm. or they had some issue. You know, they're dealing with the same thing. You know, who, you know so why are you playing this music? You know, I, I would always ask that question on my live stream shows. Just as why are you play this music, you know, just as, you know, and. I play this music for all of those reasons. You mm-hmm. know that that I that I mentioned. And um, and that's why and I love listening to it too. Even if I don't play it, I mean it's it's around and it's just because it's because I can be fed too. You know, yeah. that's the thing. That's the that's the that's the beautiful thing about when I'm old and when I can't play. I hope somebody else is playing. Hopefully, you'll be playing. Mm. I can say, hey, that's Nick. Okay, cool. Because when you're old, hopefully you're still. As long as these things still work, everything still. I might not be able to shake my butt like I did, you know, but as long as all those three things are kind of yeah. in some kind of work, and I can still, I'm still part of the music, you know. The music yeah. never doesn't, you know, it doesn't doesn't leave you yeah. know, until I leave, you know. So, in during this quarantine, to my count, you've put out four albums. Well, they're, on, that's on old stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was gonna ask. I was like, well, I I knew like um yeah, one all, of them yeah. one of them was was like was you Byron and Sid. So yeah, that know. was done. Like yeah, I think we yeah. started recording that like maybe two thousand nine, ten, eleven. Yeah. yeah, this one I just put out was actually something I did old head. That was actually my second album, and that was recorded some in between like maybe eighty no ninety. Between ninety four and ninety eight. Okay. You know, it was, it was like just a couple of different um Yeah. And the thing is with the bank, I mean I need to try to make some revenue and those basically this is boxes sitting around. Mm-hmm. And with band camp, yeah. you know, it's a, a whole nother avenue and and we didn't have the internet 
the the worldwide potential that mm-hmm. we have now. So that's that's all that was, and, and some folks are doing that. I have a couple other things in the can I, I may put out, and you know, hopefully somebody, you know, may like that, and um, you know, maybe I get a couple. I, I I I did pretty good. I think the the one I did at live at Exuberance with Ori King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, I think that was the very first one. And I was working on that. We did that like almost three years ago, and Makai was really young. Oh wow! And I was getting it ready because I was going to put it out on CD. I had liner notes and all kinds of stuff. It was all ready to go. Yeah. And something, it just never really worked out. And then when the pandemic hit, it was like, oh, well, yeah. actually prior to pandemic, I, I had a feeling that the, the, the CD thing wasn't going to be a good idea or maybe at the very most I'd press maybe 100 copies mm-hmm. and maybe send some out, you know, because the, the streaming thing, I didn't want to get involved in, the, in all that. And that didn't seem like that was... Um, on the music sites that that was going to pan out to a whole lot. So I just kind of sat on it. So this Bandcamp thing, um, I saw people doing that, and I owe a lot to James Santangelo because I'm basically following his lead because he put out a lot of his stuff, like yeah. some of his like live recordings and stuff he worked on. So he kind of he and Mackay helped me do that. So you know, I put that out, and that seemed to do quite well. I don't know what this one's going to do, but that's 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 what it was. The one before that, um, I think, yeah, I said it. That was actually mm-hmm. my third album. That was different snippets, and that was I was going through a bunch of stuff in my life. You know, I didn't really care, so I just had a bunch of different things, and that was probably like from maybe two thousand three to two thousand six some stuff all those couple of recordings are older than that you know from different different um you know times and places um some stuff was in the studio where i did played a lot of the instruments some stuff was a little bit more contemporary sounding uh yeah it's just putting some stuff out there just an attempt to you know, you yeah. know maybe make a couple of dollars and just just do something they, mm-hmm. were, they weren't doing anything otherwise so yeah maybe somebody would you know you know, part of, I guess, you know, maybe some self-promotion, you know, it's not, you know, it's, you never know, you know, um, and that's, yeah, so that, that's all it was, really, it's nothing, mm. not, I definitely didn't record those things, it's the stuff that's been in the can, and a lot of musicians, I would imagine, have, you know, stuff they've worked on, and might as well put it out, you yeah. know, might as well do something, you know, it's, and, and once again, the playing field is a lot more level than it has been, so, I mean, there are no record companies, you know, so... Bandcamp thing or whatever or the other platforms, they're out there for you. So you mm-hmm. know, if you as long do that along with everything else that's available to you, I guess. And that that that's why you know. So yeah. it's not, I, you know, I'm not really that well, business savvy. It was, it was it was all new to me. So I know. Now trust me, I'm good, the least savvy listening. guy that you ever <laughs> want to meet. I know it's probably like <laughs> four of them out there. Now nah, I'm just hustling best I can. Yeah, I gotta. I think I. Um, I might put my very first CD out there, but I, yeah. I had a bass on there. The, the, not really crazy about the sound of that. And there's some other stuff, the live or at least stuff that the compilation. But I'm not sure legally how to go about that because mm. um, I may put just a couple of things out. Uh, like I said, I don't want to get in any trouble with that, so that may end up just staying. But well, you know, maybe I'll donate the you know proceeds somewhere else mm. and I'll get around it that way because you know. But that's all, just to you know, yeah, you know, just to do what you, you know, do, do what you do, do yeah, what do with what I have, you know, yeah. You know. And you, we've talked about, uh, we mentioned it a little bit um, throughout the show, but um, could you talk a little bit about the the uh, webcast shows you've been doing? 
Well, there's, well, it's just a lot. What I call live live stream. Live stream. And what they, yeah, it's basically me just playing. Um, this guy Josh Thomas, he has a um, studio, it's a recording studio, but it's also there's another room that's kind of like a sound stage where you can have showcases, and that's where we're at. It has a little uh, raised, um, I guess, stage area, and the rhythm section is on that area. And the horn players or whoever's there, they're, they're down, and we're kind of spread out. Um, he offered, I heard of that place first. I did something with Henry Turf, mm-hmm. the sax player. There was some kind of virtual thing in Philly um, a while back where they were um, every they were um, broadcasting from different venues throughout everywhere, really. Everybody had like 15, 20 minutes to play. I think it was a Saturday, and we had a slot. Um, I think the, the show ended up with like Christian McBride and some other folks playing like later that night. I think mm-hmm. our spot was like four thirty, five o'clock. We played 15 minutes. So after we did that thing, um, and people, people were all over, wherever they were, just doing these virtual shows. So he had hired, hired this, he hired, he, we did that. Then we just stayed on and he just did like a half hour more on Facebook. Mm. And I got the idea, well, damn, I could do that. So the following week I did that and I, Asked Henry to come on and asked Yase, Faraha Ali, and Makai, and we did it. So we played a couple of numbers, and I think that was when um, I think um, Ahmad Arbery got. That's yeah. when that happened. You know, yeah, it seems like so long ago. Yeah, and that was like right after, like you know, three, you know. So we talked about that a little bit. So the shit was already starting to get a little crazy. So um, yeah, I did that. Then the following week, I think who do we have? I think I had. Um, um, Tim Bray and my um, Makai. Makai was kind of the staple. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's kind of getting tired of doing it, so I have to find other drummers. <laughs> but he was him and um, Brian Morris mm-hmm. featuring him, you know, and just trying to highlight the younger guy. I think the third week we had um, Dave Wilson and Kurt Reese. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And these yeah. guys are yeah. from the Lancaster area. Mm-hmm. And I've known Dave for a while. And I'd known of him. I only played with him a couple of times. Kurt, I played with him once and I think um, Dave had actually did a live an album live at Chris's mm. a while back and maybe it was last year that got critical acclaim our own Dan Monahan's on that um, along with Kurt and a wonderful bass player from, from up at that area um, um, Tony Marino I believe it was no yeah yeah I know Tony uh, yeah um, so they came down they, they actually wanted to do it so they drove down and then the last one we did two weeks ago, that was with um, Dave Manley, guitar player. Mm-hmm. came up from D.C., Chris Farr, and Makai. And that was more, that ended up being more of like an R&B kind of set. Mm-hmm. Following, we were supposed to do something, but then that was when uh, the stuff with um, George Floyd went down. So it was mm-hmm. like, that didn't feel right. And now, yeah. you know, this, this other... Um, Guy in Atlanta, I'm, you know, just all the, all the stuff, you know, all, mm-hmm. all the stuff. Yeah, so yeah, so it's just a, we needed to deal with this. So hopefully there'll be something. I'm trying to do it this coming Friday. We'll see if it if it pans out. Um, the um, guy who owns the studio, Josh, he gets back in town. He was out of town last week, which is why we couldn't do it last week. He gets back um, Wednesday. So looking at Friday, hopefully we keep our fingers crossed. And then resume it up again. Um, and it's basically, we play for like an hour. Then I talk to the guys, you know, ask the question, why do you play jazz? Or talk about what they're doing. Then we finish up. So the whole 
show or concert, whatever you want to call it. It's maybe about an hour and a half, hour, 40 minutes. And it's, like I said, you know, some, you know, um, we play stuff, you know, we play some original stuff, we play stuff we know. I try to, you know, once I know who the guests are, I try to find some kind of theme. Because there's usually some kind of, it kind of takes some kind of shape um, or I can find some kind of theme. So when I, I'll know what to ask the, you know, folks. Um, and it's very loose, you know, I talk, you know, I stutter and stammer, kind of like what I'm doing right now. And it's a lot of playing. And basically it's a chance for me to play. And hopefully, you know, people, you know, give us some money if they like what they hear. So maybe mm-hmm. I can make, make a couple of dollars, like on a good night, I might make what I would have made, like on a normal jam, you know. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Which ain't much, you know, maybe $70, $80. Mm-hmm. You know? It could be more depending on people. A lot of people watch the show, but they don't pay. It's kind of the honor system, you know. You can't really. Yeah. You know, so that's a little, that's, that's a little, uh, annoying mm-hmm. you know but it's not so i get it you know and it's like you know but once again i talked about buy, you know the audience buying into well okay this is what we we can't come to we're not at chris's or we're not at heritage or we're not at wherever the the, the weekly gig would be but we're yeah. here hi so um you know for five you know so we, we it's trying to get get them to real okay maybe pay in and you know Give us a little, you know, cover. This is what the cover charge is, mm-hmm. whatever, for some music. And hopefully the music sounds good. It usually does, you know. And it's a chance. And if not, whatever. I, I get to play. So it's almost like I'm just putting myself out there, you know, on a weekly basis. And it seems as this time goes by, it seems like more and more people are going to want to play. When mm-hmm. I first did it, was hard to get people to play because everybody was like kind of, I called people and it's yeah. kind of hard getting bands together and they were kind of scared. You know, so I definitely give props to the ones who early on came out. And um, I'm pretty optimistic that from this point on, I'll be able to at least get some folks out and Mm -hmm. at least continue it, even if it's like, you know, I can just um, just cover my overhead. I I give Josh a couple of dollars so he can, you know, have the room. We can use the room. It's got keyboards and a a drum set there. And it's set up, you know, so all we got to do is walk in there and tune up and play Mm -hmm. and set up one of our... um, phones so it's um yeah so I, hopefully i'll do that and that's i'll occupy one day of the week and <laughs> give you something to work yeah, exactly yeah. you yeah. know so it's been but it's been it's been interesting these last two weeks i've been off it's i could i guess i'm getting better or more patient or whatever because i would have been like a just really like a nervous wreck or just out of myself had this happened a while ago mm. but you know some things are beyond your control and in this instance, I mean, this this is a moment in time, you know. And this is, you know, so uh, I don't want to divert any energy away from this, you know. So that's why we didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, we'll and depending on what happens, hopefully nothing else happens. You never, you never know. I mean, you've got some. You know, it seems like when it rains, it pours. But hopefully, if it works out, we'll we'll you know be performing this coming Friday and then we'll you know we'll take it from there you know yeah. hopefully on the weekly you know weekly basis at some point you know, and eventually what I'd like to do you know if it were to actually like take off like best case scenario be a situation where I could just almost be a host and mm-hmm. if I were like the Nick Krolak band and or mm-hmm. whatever you know whereas I, I don't necessarily have to play every time I mean I, I don't mind doing it and it gives me a chance to you know play 
with different people. Kind of like what I was doing at Heritage anyway, just mixing and matching and just mm-hmm. trying to – and once again, as a bass player, just trying to make, you know, make those guys feel comfortable and play some stuff that makes us sound good, you know. So yeah. I can certainly do that and have it filmed and, you know, if people want to pay for it, you know. Yeah. It's like a virtual tip jar, if you, if you will. But I'm looking at a chance to play too. So mm-hmm. whether they, you know, whether I make a living from it or not, that's that's not the the main goal of doing yeah. this. You know, it'd be nice. And in a perfect world, yeah, I could you know make a couple hundred dollars and pay those guys and do whatever. And well, mm-hmm. and in a perfect world, virtual world, because it ain't perfect no more. Mm-hmm. I could do that like maybe a couple of times. We all did that like a couple of times a week, and you know we. Could, you know, it could be. I mean, I yeah. think the money's out there. That's mm-hmm. the funny thing, you know. But it's just, it's going to take a lot of, you know, just reacclimating people's thinking about a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I think we've lost a bunch of people. I think there's a bunch of people that just aren't going to go outside anymore. You know, yeah. They're just shook, which yeah. is a shame, you know, because it's like they're not going to go out to hear a club. They're not going to go out anywhere. They're not going to go to a game. They're not going to go to church. They're not going to, they're going to be these virtual hermits. Mm. You know, they go out once a month or once a week to do their shopping or something, and then they're annoyed when they go out. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. You know, I didn't. You know, I'm, I'm, I didn't. You know, I want to live and be comfortable. You know, I want to. You know, like I want to play music. I want to hear music. I want to. You know, I want my kids to. You know, have a. You know, have a life. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you know, my guy was supposed to graduate from. Um, Middle middle school, they didn't have the graduation, so now we got this virtual shit. You know, mm-hmm. so I think of kids that like we're supposed to grad. You know, it just messed everything up. It yeah. just really just just flattened, just flattened us. Just nah, ain't nothing happening. Just like look at your schedule. Yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> just 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 marks on a fucking you know calendar. Yeah. Damn. I had my my uh, a, f- a funny thing happen to me the other day where a a gig that I had booked you uh-huh. know like months ago sure. like pops up in my calendar uh-huh. and I was like what the hell is that yeah, <laughs> was sure. this you know, like you know you get these calls or, or I get these calls and I wasn't even asking I already know you tell me the gig is canceled <laughs> you know so you know those kind of things and, yeah. and it's like and the thing about it when this pan when this thing hit. It seemed like everybody I knew was like in in an upswing, like like things were happening. Yeah, things were good thing. I mean, I mean, I look at the economy. Yeah, you know, things were like kind of like happening. People were doing stuff. You know, yeah. things were like definitely, you know, on a on a seemingly, and then it's just just this bloop, just like yeah. a big squash job. Yeah. So, but you know, it's. Think I mean this has happened before I think in the history of mankind is these type of things you know maybe not something like quite like this but got to dig out from this you know mm-hmm. so that's I think that's where we're at we're at so um, we'll see what happens yeah um and just before we before we wrap up I'd also like to take a minute to talk about um, the Clifford ba- Brown uh, Jazz oh, okay, Fest sure. that um, that you are you are going to be a part of. And um, yeah, what's that kind of? Okay, yeah, well, that's well, like I say, um, that's something that's been going on. um, Well, Clifford Brown was born in Wilmington. There's a nice statue in in the small park um, near the downtown section of um, Wilmington, and um, they they have this um, festival every year. Usually, it's like maybe four or five days, and it's a pretty decent festival. I mean, actually, they 
cater to a lot. They have different types of music. They have like usually like a night that's devoted to like um, Latin music, be it Afro Caribbean, Afro Cuban, or some kind of salsa or something like that. They have some kind of smooth jazz night devoted to those kind of folks. Some acoustic night, maybe a couple of other nights, and some local bands play, you know. Um, but this year, because of the pandemic, it's a virtual thing. So I think what they're doing, they're renting um, some kind of place. Um, I'm not some performance area. I'm, I'm not sure the name of the place, but um, it's over a three three day period, and there's different bands. I think maybe four, three or four bands each night. And we're each going to have like a 70, 75 minute slot where we're going to actually play a performance in this place that I don't know if it's a school or a church. It might be a music it's somewhere downtown, I think. It's one of their performance um, um, places. No audience, of course, but we'll play. And um, thanks to um, Jonathan Whitney, who's um, the drummer. He's also on the um, Delaware um, Council of the Arts, and he's just been a strong advocate. Uh, we also had a Boise Lowry jazz camp that I was part of. Um, that's not happening, but that's they're doing something with the um, sorry the alumni from the from that school. And they're some those guys are submitting videos. But anyway, back to the festival. There's a bunch of us, a lot of um, regional, local, regional folks that are doing our slots. So they offered. Um, me a slot. It was actually supposed to be um, co-led Makai and myself, and originally they wanted to give Makai a slot, but it didn't work out. But it's the same. It's like it's 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 our band basically. I mean, I, I'm the I'm the I'm the guy that pays everybody, but Makai kind of runs the show. <laughs> he kind of does that anytime he sits down. So anyway, so but that band, I mean, it's a I'm really blessed to have these guys when I can get them. It's Makai. And it's um, John Swana on trumpet and EV, which is um, an acronym for an electronic valve instrument, which is like a synthesizer for trumpet or brass players. And Tim Bray on um, piano will probably bring his keyboard. Myself on bass and Makai on drums. And we do a lot of, um, when we play, we don't play a whole lot, but we play periodically. Um, we do a lot of John's tunes. We do some of Tim's tunes, um, some of my tunes. Um, different arrangements of you know, tunes we know. What I like about that group, we don't really rehearse. We just kind of get on the bandstand. And everybody kind of... Um, I was talking earlier about the bass concept, about the listening. That mm -hmm. band, it seems like we all, those guys, we all have that same concept when it comes to the music. So it kind of changes every night. And at, at any time, any one of us can kind of take the lead they're all strong. Like I'm actually the weakest guy in the band, you know, to, you know, just in terms of playing, and I don't have a problem with that because um, you can kind of you can grow when you have when you got people that you consider better or at least equal, whatever it is. I mean, I think they're, you know, I don't know if I'm, yeah, I, I stand by. I don't mind saying that. That that doesn't bother me. Um, but it's like I know I'm always going to hear some real some stuff that's really you know on a high level, I know they're going to be giving it their all and they're going to be reacting to music in the moment. So all I got to basically do is just play the bass and just try to maybe dictate some instructions or some cues here or there. I mean, it is my group, you know, maybe make sure the tempos are, you know, right. Or if there's some audibles, you know, which happen a lot of times when I'm playing, you know, we may do something and it may seem like it wants to go a certain way 
Well, we may just try something different because um, I think that spontaneity is important. You know, this isn't like, you know, it's jazz. There should be a certain level of spontaneity. Even if you're playing a repertoire, it should change up a little bit here and there. If there's room, you know, you're not going to play the same solo every time you play it. And those guys understand that, and they're constantly looking to, you know, you know, change not necessarily change it, but also make the music better, make it more their own, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. That's the first gig that I will have done. Well, that's not true. I've done a couple my church. You know, they opened up a couple of times. We had a couple of Sundays. But in terms of the band, that'll be the first gig I've played since um, the beginning of um, middle of March. Mm-hmm. So, that's, so that's mm-hmm. good. So hopefully that'll reach some folks. And when know. is that? That's at, Our day is Friday, Friday evening. I believe we go on at six o'clock or something i'm not sure i, I, I gotta check i'll definitely get back with you mm-hmm. but it's, it's a three-day um shoot in terms of festival. i think it's friday saturday and sunday or thursday friday and saturday i'm not sure but there's three days where these four i think it's four different bands a um a night so that's but ours is going to be friday the 26th very cool a week from this coming friday so. yeah very cool well mike boone thanks so much for one coming out here and being oh, on the fun. show. Oh, this was good. This is a nice hang. Yeah. Thank you. Man. Yeah. And also thank you for, you know, all the leadership you've provided the Philly scene and all the mentorship and all the music you've provided us over the years. Well, it's, it's, my, it. well, it's my pleasure. I mean, I've, I've got to thank Philly. Philly just kind of opened its arms to me and all the folks that poured into me and just shared, shared and continue to share. I mean, a lot of folks I know that I met when I came to Philly years ago, they're no longer here. A lot of folks that you know, you know, they've they've kind of moved on, you know. But that's that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, it's a continuum. It's not about me. It's about it's about what I can add to the we. You know, what I can kind of, you know, and that's that's what drives me. You know, so hopefully, I can do get back to do doing some more of what I'm supposed to do and. Hopefully we all can get back to some kind of normalcy or some new norm that has some room for what we do in terms of being, you know, musicians. Thanks for listening to the Voice Equals Power podcast. For me, this series is a labor of love. My goal is to help document the making of jazz history in this moment. If you have any suggestions about who you would like to hear on the show, drop me a line. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, your voice is your power.